Welcome to a tale of two rivals. A fantasy football podcast put on by your trash talking, go with your gut, three P champion, and a numbers obsessed, spreadsheet loving nerd to try to come to some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener, some beautiful content. Who am I joined by? You're joined by FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Todd, I'm feeling spicy tonight. I'm not pulling any punches tonight. I'm ready to go after these rookies. You know, I'm none of this like, oh, you know, but the numbers say this. No, this is just raw emotions. And I'm just going to just going to, you know, tear tear apart some uber athletes who could kick my ass in every single way, every single athletic way possible. There's nothing about you. You just going with your gut. It doesn't exist. There is some sort of analytic that's overblown attached to all of this gutness you're talking about. What's going on with you, man? What's new? Not much, man. Track season started, so uh, lo- spending a lot of time with uh, the a- with my athletes, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, it just, you know, they're a good group of kids. I love runners. They're they're a lot of fun, and and man, I'm about to start seeing some people soon. Uh, like some, you know, as people get more and more vaccinated, I'm going to go out and see some people I haven't seen. Going to go hiking this weekend. You know, rookie fever is going well. I'm excited to be on Tail Two Rivals tonight. Spent a lot of time on the prospect database. And I overhauled. All of the combine metrics, getting rid of any adjustments for pro days, and and just added a whole pro day section. That was that took a long time. That was pretty cumbersome. Glad to have that project out of the way. And then, man. Uh, also, quick shout out to one of our loyal loyal listeners, Brian Sad. Happy birthday today, buddy. Be sad. Big birthday. Yay! yay. We also from one of our occasional listeners. I'm coming to you after a lovely brewery trip with the one, the only J Pal. And it was delightful. First time I hung out with somebody at a like at a restaurant in a long time. So um yeah, man, uh, I'm just trying to get through the school year. It needs to end. <laughs> I got three drafts going. Uh I'm in a auction draft with uh run by Levi Valentine over at the Players Club. Um I'm spending money like water. But uh yeah, I'm liking the foundation so far. Rookie Mac for the IDP guys is dropping very soon. Everything's done. It's going to print. Should be coming out soon. Thing looks like fire. Uh, lots and lots of hard work went in that through the whole team. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, Dave and I got that rookie draft going. We uh, scooped up some IDP guys. And uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to uh, now that, you know, the rookie season's over and like the school year will eventually wind down, diving more into the Devi and C2C stuff in the coming weeks. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Over. Over, Todd. We're just getting started here on Tale Two Rivals with our rookie material. Oh, I'm talking about the rookie, like, build up. Yeah, I know what you're the saying. The build up. I know you are. I know you are. But no, man, yeah. So um, I'm definitely going to be uh, looking to be getting going with some more C2C stuff soon. Some stuff I was hoping to be doing a little sooner, but, you know, I've really just been trying to focus on work, family, and uh, the magazine. And, of course, Tale 2 Rivals. Todd, Todd, speaking of that draft you mentioned that we're co-managing together, I, I had to put on my IDP pants on, dude. I was, uh, I, I felt like I was, we were talking IDP, pretty excited that, I, I felt, I was glad that you were excited about some of those picks that we made here. Hey, man, Xavier Collins, JOK, Jalen Phillips, uh, they're studs, dude. Uh, I was pretty excited about that. And uh, we could probably trade Jalen Phillips to Joey the Tooth for like multiple first round picks. You know, it would it, it would be beautiful. 
You ready for the question of the day, buddy? Let's do it. All right. So Dave and I are a little older than some of our listeners, I'm sure. But so we've been around the Madden game for a long time. So we've played with many, many great Madden players. So who is your Madden 101 franchise pick, David? You know, there's a lot of players. There's I'm not going to ruin your surprise, but your 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 pick is usually a lot of consensus ones. Then there's you know Adrian Peterson back in the day was a very was was a great pick. And then you've got some crazy quarterbacks that can just sling it and throw it from all different platforms. And there's a lot of ways you could go with this. But I'm just going to tell you one thing about Madden. I and you know enough of the build up here. I went with my favorite. And probably my most highly owned Madden player ever whenever I did build a franchise. And I did a ton of build a franchises or create a franchise, whatever they're called. Did some fantasy. I think they called them, they call them fantasy drafts back in the day in the create a franchise where you just did, like, you just picked your own team and it wasn't even interesting. Yes. 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 Fantasy drafts. And I picked a lot of this player and it was Ty Law. This is way out of left field. I'm certainly, if you were to search the best Madden players of all time, he would not be on a list. And I'm going to tell you why I'm picking Ty Law. One, because he's my favorite, probably my favorite defensive player of all time. And two, I don't need one of these, you know, these crazy rushing quarterbacks. I don't need Randy Moss. I don't need Adrian Peterson or Derrick Henry or these sick players because guess what? I'm going to beat you in just my freaking skill playing the game. I'm going to beat you knowing the playbooks, stuffing you on the run, sacking the quarterback, and I'm just going to pick you apart up and down the field. I don't need to have good players on the field. My ability will carry my team as a player. So I'll just take my favorite and go tie law here, Todd. Who picks a cornerback as their 101 in Madden? No one. Someone no who knows one. who could, who's smoked you several times whenever we've played it. I don't recall. I don't recall that at all. All right. So, yep, mine's pretty obvious. Michael Vick, 2004. Bomb it, run it, speed, all day. Uh, cheat code. He is the Konami code. <laughs> That's like where the term comes from. Um, but yeah, since like Vic obviously was the obvious one, I thought I'd come up with a couple of like backup ones. Uh, for running back in the 2002 one, you can unlock legends. And whenever I lo- unlock Barry Sanders, all day, dude. Barry Sanders was so fun to play with. Just an absolute blast. So now the question was is, who's your 101? So I would always go with a offensive player there. Because, you know, at that point, it's a little too early to be thinking defense. But my, I think my favorite Madden player of all time is Brian Urlacher. Like, Brian Urlacher, sideline to sideline with the wide receiver speed and that hit stick. Whew, good times, dude. Urlacher was just, like, intercepting passes, just completely ran over, like, took over the whole middle of the field, sideline to sideline. If you could just, you know, try to, like, Guess the count and get around the edge. You get like tackles for losses all day. Earl Acker, baby. Loved him. Loved him. Todd, great picks. I, a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of solid analysis there. But I, it made me think about my first interception. I remember playing Madden on the computer. I had a PC version, Madden 96, I think it was. First time ever. Teddy Bruski was my first interception ever. And I had a, I don't know, it was just at number 54. Back then, they didn't have player names. It was just number 54. And it was a soft spot in my heart when he had that interception. So another player that I had a, a soft spot for whenever I was building a team was Teddy Bruski. And I was, you want to talk about homerism? I was a huge homer whenever I played Madden. Not much for fantasy football, 
But I'm a big time homer when it comes to bad. And all, all the Patriots players, baby. Of course, man. Curtis Martin. Loved Curtis oh, Martin in Madden. Love Curtis yep. Martin. Terry Glenn. Oh. Terry Glenn in the Madden days. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yep. Terry Glenn, dude. Good stuff. Good question of the day. Good stuff. Tonight's topic, it's gonna be risers and fallers from post draft. So the speculation is over. It's time to evaluate and adjust our ranking. Of course, it's not you don't ditch that process and all the work you put into it. But we cannot be bullheaded, and we need to be able to adjust in what happened at that draft. Today, Dave and I are going to break down some of the biggest risers and fallers for the NFO draft. So there's some various factors that contributed to these changes, but typically the two main ones are landing spot and draft capital. So, David, how do you adjust your process after the draft is over? You know, this is maybe a little outside the, the question, but what I really tried to focus on this year was not getting too emotional. I think last year, early initially, I did a lot of, when I was still over at DFF with Sean, um, we did rapid reactions for all the wide receivers taken. And I, and you know, we had to have within 15 minutes, we were releasing articles that we had pre-written and on the fly we were, and you know, we didn't even have all the receivers that weren't picked yet. And we were putting them as possible rankings. And my biggest reaction or my biggest takeaway from that was don't have too much of an emotional reaction. That's like case in point. Rashad Bateman, trying not to have too much of an emotional reaction to him landing in Baltimore or Travis Etienne going to Jacksonville and just remembering that we put all, and I think part of that is because, you know, everyone who's listening, everyone who's creating their own content, we put a ton of time and effort for mostly for fun. It's for, for pennies, essentially. We're putting a lot of time into analyzing these players. We have a lot of emotionally invested in it. And to have someone like Tylen Wallace fall to the fourth round it's tough not to just freaking lose your cool and say, what the heck are these these teams doing? So I think my biggest takeaway was, is remember my process, remember what are imp- important inputs into my system and landing spot. Yeah, landing spot matters, but it is not the biggest takeaway for me. It makes it maybe five to 10% of my overall evaluation. I care more about production. I care about draft capital. And I think that's my biggest takeaway. And I try to step back because what happens is, is when you're doing all this uh, analysis and you're, you know, you're reacting with all your friends, you're talking to all your friends, you're doing these live streams and you're having these emotional reactions, you tend up getting caught up in this group thing and what everyone else is feeling in this collective emotional thing. And I think not, sometimes you're overlooking valuable input and not thinking for yourself and critically thinking and you're getting caught up in what the community is doing. So I think that's my biggest takeaway, Todd. Yeah, man. I, I think that's perfectly said is like not getting too emotional about where people end up, you know? I, and like you said, like production and draft capital are the two biggest factors for me. Production for me doesn't factor much in post uh, NFL draft because it factors very heavily into my pre-draft. Draft capital. Draft capital changes things drastically for me. And it's more about teams are willing to invest more into a guy. That means that I need to ignore what I think about that guy and consider about where he now stands. And that was my biggest piece when I did my risers. Those guys were about draft capital. I get it, Dave. I, I love the idea of being able to control your emotions. And I think it's okay to have an emotional response instantly. You know, be upset in the moment. Give yourself some time and reapproach the draft. And have fun with it, right? Right. Like that's part of the fun. We, the draft weekend is one of my favorite weekends, man. And yeah, of course I want to have an emotional reaction when Tom Loss goes forth. It's the, it's, this is fun, dude. The draft is such a That's fun That's what I'm time. talking about, man. But yeah, I mean, honestly, dude, being our ADP rookie draft this year mm, made it just so much special. 
so much more special to be like investing in the defensive side a little bit more too. And Todd, too, when you were mentioning draft capital, I think it's important too to, do you think, I actually, I want you to see, I'm kind of curious what your reaction is to this statement. Remember, draft capital isn't everything. The NFL, we don't get it right. NFL teams don't get it right. Yeah. Is a big predictor? Yes. But remember, even if you have guys that fall, yes, should you cool a little bit? Are they less likely to hit? But that doesn't mean the NFL doesn't make mistakes. Guys slip all the time. And I don't think it totally writes people off. Would you agree with that? 100%. 100%. So like Rondell Moore is not dropping dramatically in my rankings because he wasn't one of the first five wide receivers taken. I still believe in that talent. I still believe in that production. I like to spot. So to me, it's kind of like, yeah, there's some guys that I have much lower than that are drafted well ahead of him. So it's not everything, but it is definitely something when if you were low on a guy, that's time to reevaluate. But if you were extremely high on a guy, then it's also time to reevaluate. This actually is a good segue going into the bonus guys, right? So we're like, these are guys that Dave and I didn't pick to talk about, all right? But they were still noteworthy for surprises. So for me, one of my surprises not picked among our picks was that third round QB run was crazy. Didn't see that backup QB run. I don't know what the hell that was. But um, yeah, so that happened. Uh, I think 2-2 Atwell going in the second, but yet Tywin Wallace went in the fourth was wild. Simply wild. Brevin Jordan falling to the fifth, and he was the ninth tight end off the board. Though I love the landing spot in Houston. And it that makes me happy because I do think that Brevin could emerge as the top tight end from that team. Maybe not this year, but soon. And then when you're talking about Brevin Jordan falling to the fifth round, Trey McKinney, like getting third round capital, where essentially like he just did really well in the senior bowl, like whatever. Uh, Jamar Jefferson falling to the seventh. That was shocking. But I loved Jalen Darden getting that fourth round love, David. Loved it. Any of those guys really stick out for you? Yeah, the, when you talk about that that second into the third round QB run, what was crazy, it kind of felt like a, a super flex draft. It's like, oh, there's not many people to be excited about here for the NFL teams. That's a really, good, that's a really good point. Not a lot to do here. Well, what's valuable? Well, we always need a backup quarterback. <laughs> Let's take one. <laughs> so for undrafted surprises, Javion Hawkins was very surprising for me. I really liked him. I love that he ended up in Atlanta, though, so I feel like he'll compete. Uh, Jert Patterson, I figured, would have been drafted. Tammy on Terry was a guy that I actually thought that offered. I mean, I get the red flags. I still think he would have been a seventh-round pick. But Jonathan Adams Jr. not getting picked was very surprising for me. However, the fact that he's in Detroit where everybody's going to leave and he's got that perfect opportunity to try to emerge on the outside then you got St. Brown, who also fell going into the slot. It's actually a nice situation for him. So, though it's surprising, I, I'm still going to believe in my boy there because I like his landing spot. It just doesn't mean I'm going to reach for him as far as I would have before. Uh, my last one I wanted to say before we get into it was, this is not surprised but disappointed. It was uh, Justin Fields falling to 11. And I you think weren't surprised by that, Todd? I was not surprised. Wow, I was. I was not surprised because of all the insane negativity surrounding him right before the draft. And I think that kind of fed into the fall. 
So that's what it was. Is like I didn't know whether to choose to believe it or not, but because it was so fierce, it really didn't make it too shocking that he fell. What was surprising to me, Todd, is that Detroit passed on him, Carolina passed on him, and Denver, all very QB needy teams that totally transforms possibly how their franchise is going forward, that they all pass on him. That's what just shocked me. I, I think it's I think it's a great, terrible decisions from those franchises. I don't disagree, but the the other thing about it was like trading for Sam Darnold, right? They traded for Goff, so they have to play him. And then Denver, I really thought that I really think that they think they were going to get Rodgers that night. I think that's I think that was the decision. You know what I mean? So I don't know how they were without trading that pick, but at the same time, like that's what I'm. I, I have to speculate. Otherwise, I don't know why. They wouldn't have picked him. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, there was just a lot of negative stuff around him, especially with epilepsy, which was absolutely ridiculous because clearly he's been able to compete with whatever he's been dealing with. You know, just disgusting. So, David, let's get to your first riser. Yeah, so I went with Jalen Waddle. He's got a DLF ADP. I think he's going at the end of the the first round at 112 in Superflex drafts. and that's kind of probably a surprise for a lot of people is why he's a riser, because a lot of film people really liked him. And Todd, if you remember when we did our pre-draft or our pre-draft like ranking summit, I said that Jalen Waddle was in the middle of my third tier of wide receivers. And no matter what happened in the rookie in the NFL draft, there was no way I was moving Jalen Waddle up. Well, I stand here today. I was wrong. That was an incorrect statement. I have moved Jalen Waddle up into the into my second tier of rookie wide receivers. And, you know, why is he rising so hard? Well, one, I just didn't, I talked about this a little bit actually with John June on his podcast. I think it's Dynasty Diagnostics. I talked with him on it uh, earlier this week. But if I'm looking at from my prospect, he was an underproductive player. I don't have any clue what his black box athleticism. Yeah, he looks great on tape, but we don't know any, you know, you know how that is when, People look faster than they are or whatever that is. So, and then he's undersized, only 180 pounds. People, he's only, he's a pound less, I think, than everyone talks about Rondell Moore's size. Well, he's, Jalen Waddle's only 5'9 and weighs a pound less than Rondell Moore. And he was getting the, being the wide receiver two drafted, just, I wasn't prepared for it. I was not prepared for him to go at 106. I know there was a lot of mocks that had him there. I, I just thought that Miami would trade back for someone who wanted a quarterback or, you know, or Miami was hoping that either the tackle or, I thought they would, Miami would go the tackle or they were hoping that Chase falls there. So I just was not prepared for Waddle to go there and, and looking forward to, I understand a lot of what people, you know, I'm listening to a lot of what the, the film community loves about him. Very explosive in his route running, very dynamic with the ball in his hands. And I, I guess I just have to say, sit there and go, I'm probably not going to get him on a lot of my teams because a lot of people have him in their top three wide receivers. However, for me, I'm just going to say like, Hey, I'm moving him up because I got to respect the draft capital and what an NFL teams thought about him to going at 106. Just 106, that is incredibly high. Yeah, that that's that's serious draft capital. Like you have to take that seriously. They're clearly trying to make him a featured part of that offense. So when so in March I had him as my wide receiver five, and he was my 13th player overall. So he's still my 13th player overall, and he's my wide receiver four. So he didn't move up overall, but he moved up one spot in wide receivers. And 
I don't really think it's not even like like I like Jalen Waddle. I like Jalen Waddle a lot. I just liked four other guys more than him. It's more that Rashad Bateman landing in Baltimore dropped him behind him for me because you know capital wasn't there to the same degree, and I like Waddle's situation better than Bateman's. You know, so there's a lot of things there, and I also feel like. Outside of Chase, those four top guys are all pretty damn close. That that was for me was like, and the guy who I feel like I had uh, Smith as my wide four going into uh, the draft, and now he's my wide two. What's interesting, Todd, about what I've heard some people talking negatives about Jalen Waddle is they're talking about it's not the best landing spot. They're not happy about Tua. They're like, they're not getting into the narrative about him, his college quarterback and you know, whatever. Okay. But what's been a real intriguing, like, I don't understand the criticism. They're saying there's not a lot of opportunity. People are worried about Devonte Parker and Mike Gesicki, Hunter Long, Mile. like who's going to steal targets from him, Todd? I, I mean, no, I, I, no, no. I mean, there's no like alpha there. Like, like, I'm sorry. Like Jalen Waddle can't emerge from that group. Give me a break. Have you heard people say, I've seen articles written. It's been ridiculous. I don't get it. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. Jalen Waddle could be the best wide receiver on that team by the end of the year. Am I saying it's going to happen? No, but it's totally possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? So You know what's totally possible, Todd? He could be the best wide receiver in this class. Do I think he's going to be? No, but he has, you know, he was drafted as a, <laughs> directly after Jamar Chase. Like, yeah, yeah, it uh, could happen. I, now, I think a very low probability, but, you know, whatever. Exactly, man. I mean, you have to take the capital seriously. But for me, it was kind of like I knew he was going to be a first-round pick. Like, top 10, like, that was wild. I don't think it was a good pick for the record. But it was still the pick. And there is a need for them to have wide receivers. Also, might I add that, like, all those, like, wide receivers they keep n- named, those guys are hurt all the time. <laughs> like... Like, they're not healthy. So I like that pick, Dave. That was a good start, man. All right. My first riser is Kadarius Tony. So his DLF ADP is at 19.2. In March, I had him in my rankings as the wide receiver 15 and my 33rd player overall. So in May, I'm eating some crow. He's my wide eight, and he's my 18th player overall. Now, I needed to see the draft capital to believe that Tony was going to be this first-round talent. Well, I saw it. I'm still not a fan. I'm not. But the draft capital was enough to make him my wide receiver eight. And you're looking at Sterling Shepard and Slayton as his main competition. That's not difficult competition to be beating out to be the wide receiver two. I have to interrupt, Todd. I'm sorry I have to interrupt. I think you're forgetting NFL defenders being thrown the ball by Daniel Jones and maybe the, the grass being, you know, or the sidelines, you know, the, the a lot of people are maybe potential targets for Daniel Jones to be hitting instead of Kadarius Tony. Fair. That's fair. Now, that's the next part I was, I'll, I'll get to that, David. So, <laughs> you've heard, he's, he is the most athletic and dynamic soft option as well, correct? True. Should, now, Danny Dodge is going to be out of a job, Dave. So they should get a QB upgrade because the Giants are going to suck. They're going to suck, and they're going to suck hard. So Danny Dimes should be out of a job this year. Then they're going to go pick a top QB. Like, Slovis, baby. Go get some Slovis or Howard Rattler. So, you know, also other paths to that, trades, free agency. 
plenty of ways for them to get a better quarterback than Danny, Danny Dimes, who sucks. So it's a dynasty pick. Tony, and the other thing with, with Danny Dimes is, Curry has a difficult time finding people, so he might want to be dumping the ball off short. That's what Tony does. I don't like his versatility, but the draft capital and the fact that he is a phenomenal athlete and the fact that the competition is not that stiff, yeah, you, you have to say he, he has to feel like a mid-second round pick after getting first round draft capital. So out of 10 drafts for his ADP on DLF, he went 15 and 70, then no earlier than, than 19. So that's four drafts in the early 20s, which is pretty surprising after the NFL draft. So for a guy with first round draft capital that does have some potential and does not have a lot of competition around him, it's time to recognize that that's outstanding value. And if you miss, the capital that you're putting into it is not really as severe. Lots of upside with that pick. I would feel awful making it, but I would feel great about the potential value. Todd, you actually bring up some interesting points about Denny Dimes too. And I know I, I, I rudely interrupted you, but I just could not could not pass up. I didn't want to overlook the uh, the competition in that in that wide receiver room or slash on the other football team. Well, David, if but, you read but, the show notes, you realize I was about to get to that in moments. Oh, I knew that was coming, Todd. I knew it was coming, <laughs> but it was just too perfect not to put that jab in. It was too perfect. The thing about what I actually think in Superflex, especially Todd, when you have him as your 18th overall player, not bad thinking that maybe Kadiris Tony transfers back to quarterback when Danny Dimes sucks. So I think that might justify his position overall. Versatility. There we go. <laughs> There's more ways for him to find the field, bro. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. But yeah. Uh, I will give you all right, some serious analysis here. I kind of want to find myself in that mid that place in rookie drafts just so I can spite draft Kadarius Tony and then become the biggest Kadarius Tony fan when he actually hits. Just because <laughs> You know, I, I said last week You're such a that, human. <laughs> yes, that I was like that I'd never ever draft him no matter what, even though he there's like ways that I could be wrong. But that would be the only way that I could just like have like just at the same time just be totally upset that he's hitting and and like making fun of Dave Gettleman and all these different things, but then like buying his jersey because he was like my fantasy MVP or something. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, riser two. All right, yeah, so this one was actually tough because there was, I don't think there was a ton of, play honestly, I was going through my notes, and there weren't a ton of players that overall risers in this draft. I thought my overall takeaway from this draft was is that it was disappointing. I know you and I were a little bit more, at least, I don't know how down you were, but I was. I did not think this draft was everything that it was cracked up to be. Yeah, there's some interesting flyers or whatever, but there was nowhere near the depth of last year. Just not as, so I don't think there was a ton of risers overall. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I have to interrupt about how you're talking about that. I still think that the talent's there. I do. I think that the draft capital that went into those players was very surprising in a lot of ways. Obviously, teams aren't investing in them. That makes you kind of wary. It's tougher to build to, to pick it out. That that's what I'm saying. So I, I I'm similar to you with that. Similar. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So. Uh, so my pick, though, was someone who was a riser for me, was someone who I had highlighted on, on my ranks who I thought was an interesting player. I just needed to see it happen. And that was Anthony Schwartz, who went, I think he went in the third round, maybe pick 88 or something like that to, to Cleveland or right around the end of the third round there to, to Cleveland. And what's success, like looking at his profile, 
He's an early deca- early early declare. He's going to be a uh, he only he was you know three you know three years in college. Uh, he's going to be an age twenty rookie. Production suffered a little bit, but you can say that part of that was the woeful QB play from Jarrett Stidham and Bo Nix. Yeah, age twenty breakout age, and he just missed the thirty percent threshold. And his .69 career average yards per team attempt just missed a nice production threshold. So there's a lot to like about Anthony Schwartz from a production profile. Does nothing that jumps off the page, but it's interesting. And then he lands on a roster with an aging Jarvis Landry and OBJ. You have a quarterback who's probably going to be there for a while in Baker Mayfield. That coach is building an, an offense that people that's run-oriented, but they need someone who can take the top off the defense. Looking down, and that's Anthony Schwartz, and he's a speed guy. He has the speed, comes from the SEC. There's a lot to like about Anthony Schwartz, Todd. And in a he, as a play, you know, I wouldn't have taken Anthony Schwartz over some of these players who are fallers for us. But hey, it, it's a guy who got the draft capital, some interesting opportunity at some point in his career, and he's someone who's at least you know who I wasn't thinking about until the third, late third, early fourth round. Now I'm I'm probably targeting him in the third rounds of, of drafts. So I love this pick in particular because uh, two years ago he was um, he was one of my C2C sweeper picks. Big big on him. Uh, that Olympic speed just really popped on the way that he was explosive. The things that make me worry about him is the way that his game translates. He's kind of like a straight line kind of a guy. Um, not super super shifty. Um, you know, I hate saying like the route tree's not developed, but like he really doesn't run very very he's just he's a speed guy. He's seam, go, dump, reverse, that kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Some of that has to be from Auburn too. Like Auburn is not that creative. No, not at all. But at the same time, I do think that he's moldable as well. Fun fact, he almost quit football before last season. He was gonna go professionally for track. And, Bo Nix would do that to me too. Um, Bo Nix would do that to a lot of people. <laughs> I love the Bo Nix dig. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, so now here he is, third round draft pick. I love him, man. I, I, I really like him a lot. I do have my concerns, but I love that. Big riser. Love it. All right. My second riser is Trey Sermon. So Trey Sermon's uh, ADP is 15.5 on DLF in March. I had him as my RB7 and my 25th player overall. So now in May, he's my RB4 and the 18th player overall. So Sermon hit the jackpot. Third round draft capital is solid for a running back. And he was the fourth running back off the board. Landed one of the better run schemes in the NFL. Now, for sure, it's a crowded situation, but it's the definition of ambiguous. So there should be a chance for him to take on a heavy share of that backfield. And that's a backfield that deals with a lot of injuries, like almost exclusively to expect them to have injuries. Not particularly concerned about Jeff Wilson taking over. So anywhere in the second round on him could yield a huge return. And it's insane to pick him in the first round of a super flex draft. Let's just call that. If you're in a super flex draft and you're taking Trey Sermon in the first round, stop what you're doing and trade back. Now, at 201 or 202, I'll take. Moore, Bateman, Waddle, whoever fell out of there. I'll take Elijah Moore over him too, but I totally get going for Sermon over Elijah Moore. That's where I'll make the argument. If I'm really desperate at running back, then I'll take Sermon over Elijah Moore, or maybe even Bateman. Probably not, but I mean, I got to be desperate at running back at that point. And I think it's perfectly fine to be picking Sermon 
at the back end of the first round in one QB weeks. David? Todd, a lot of agreement here, man. This is the shocking part of this is that we've had a lot of agreement here. Trey Sermon was also a riser for me, but for me, he's a riser because I I just didn't care about him very much before the draft. And now that every other running back not named ETN Harris or Williams didn't they got crap draft capital, I now have to I'll, I'll like I have to move him up to my RB4 just because of how much of a wasteland it is at running back in this draft class. And I can feel Todd and the listeners starting to get excited about me when I'm, you know, I'm about to launch into this big explanation of why Sermon's rising up. And guess what? Nothing. I like nothing about Trey Sermon of why he's raising up. It's just strictly <laughs> draft capital. Right. Realistically, he's a two down timeshare back who got scared of Ramondre Stevenson and transferred to Ohio State University, doesn't catch the ball and never had more than 14.5 carries per game in his college career. Yeah, he moved up my board. But I'm not excited about him at all. Who's he, he, his? All right. If you want to talk about ceiling, his upside is a two down grinder written all over him. Yay, Trey Sermon, two down grinder. Woo-hoo. Oh, and don't let me forget, they drafted Trey Lance, people. Do you remember Trey Lance, the best rushing quarterback in this draft class? Have you not learned from JD, JK Dobbins yet? Lance won't be dumping off to him, he won't be getting any PPR upside. That doesn't happen with these rushing quarterbacks. So, what the freak are we doing with Trey Sermon here, people? Wow. There, I rest my case. Wow. I. But yeah, he's my RB4. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and he's a riser. So that's the thing. He's the RB4 because draft capital matters most for running backs. That's what I will say. 100% in the way that you invest. Now, the guys with the production in the landing spots, picking those running backs later, like in the third round, that's where you land your medal. That's where you take your guy. That's where you try to have some fun with it. Those are the guys, and you try to hope that one of them hit. But if you're looking to invest a first or second round pick, that guy's got to have that good capital. And like we said, it's it, that spot. Great point about Trey Lance. 100% true. Totally caps it. And Trey Sermon being like that second down guy. Trey Sermon was very good at Ohio State this year, dude. Yeah, for like four games. Great job, Trey. He was really good. And by the way, the guy who was outperforming in Oklahoma was Kennedy Brooks, bro. Just just uh, want to make sure that you get that right. But hey, he got a little scared by Ramondre Stevenson coming in, too. Sure. Sure. All right. So, David, we got our risers. I liked your feedback on my risers, even though you called him a riser and then <laughs> proceeded to rant about why he shouldn't be, but yet he is, in only a way that Dave can do. As a self-loathing uh, fantasy guy. Um, so, <laughs> Dave, who's your first follower, bro? <laughs> and, Todd, that, that was not aimed at you. It's just, uh, you know, I've been seeing, like, Sermon go as high as 107 Superflex. Uh, just, yeah. Well, yeah. well okay. Press, you know what? Let's just go back to this real quick. There's no reason, unless you desperately need a running back, to take him over any of those top five wide receivers. End of story. End of story. I just... I jokingly said, Todd, unless Kyle Shanahan was pounding the table for him, maybe that'll change my mind because it works so well for Joe Williams. So if he was pounding the table for Trey Sermon, all right, cool. You, you convinced me. All right. Who's your follow? <laughs> my follower is, we talked about him quite a bit or alluded to him quite a bit, and it's Talon Wallace out of Oklahoma State. And I'm just going to start by saying there's a ton to like about Talon Wallace. Age 19 breakout age that eclipsed the 30% threshold. I think he was a... Uh, Best wide receiver in college runner-up. The, the What is it? The Britnikoff Award or Blitnikoff Award. Yeah, that's what it is. And 
Blitnikoff Award runner-up. He has a 28% career average dominator. That is off the charts. 0.93 yards per team attempt average for his freaking career. Production profile matches that of other successful NFL wide receivers, and his production is well above the Big 12 conference averages. And just taking a step back here before talking about why he's a, a faller, how the heck does James Washington go in the second round, but Talon Wallace was better than Washington in every way at the same program with a worst quarterback? And the only thing I can see that's better for Washington is his freaking stupid BMI. And then my second question is, in a draft where the NFL clearly favored seniors who went to the Senior Bowl because there was NFL teams who had more interactions with them, more face-to-face meetings, it was, it was clearly a bias for these seniors this year in this COVID type of uh, offseason. How did, is Talon Wallace the only senior not to get favored here? How did he not get any senior boost? I don't get it. Like, it's just mind-boggling that every other senior was like, oh yeah, we, we know him. We're going to take him. He's senior, you know, he, he, four-year, all that stuff that you're hearing about in these press conferences and why Talon Wallace wasn't one of them is mind-boggling to me. But why he's a faller is because he lands behind like you, Todd, you mentioned, but lands behind another rookie who has slightly better analytical profile and then also has a first-round draft capital on, on a team in Baltimore that has a low-passing volume offense. So, yeah, maybe we might ding Rashad Bateman a little bit for the Baltimore landing, but wide receiver one still eat usually. It's those secondary pieces that tend not to eat, and that's end up, unfortunately, is where Town Walsh is going to end up landing there. So this, and I mentioned this again, this is probably my least favorite part of the NFL draft this time around was watching, you know, the Patriots and, and the, the Lions and all these cute, the, some wide receiver needy teams just let them slip on by. And then Baltimore, one of the more analytically driven teams to, to land on Tom Wallace there. So Tom Wallace, I know Todd, I think you were pretty high on him as well, or you liked him a, a decent amount. And it's just sad to see him here. And he's a follower for me. And I, I actually did take him in the mid third round of uh, my of a happy hour league with the the happy hour guys and the contender connection guys but uh I just had to do it because you know he's not dead yet you know these guys still happen but yeah it's not looking good baby yeah the senior bowl stuff this year was just out of control just absolutely out of control like it it meant way too much it meant way too much like Trey McKinney like I think he caught eight passes this year he had, like, one season with, like, 20 catches at Florida State. And he's a third-round draft pick, and Tylen Wallace is fourth. Yeah, I know one's a tight end, one's a wide receiver. Makes no sense to me. None. But, however, side note on Trey McKinney. Wow, landing in the Chargers. Talk about a dream spot for a rookie uh, tight end in the third round. So Talk about dream spot, Todd. Dream spot. Imagine, imagine the jersey sales out in L.A. Those powder blues. With McKitty in the background, that's going to be a Christmas gift heaven for all those Charger fans out there. And it's not bad, Todd. That, that's a great jersey gift right there, McKitty, for the, for, on the name. Okay, then. All right. Dave, Dave, S- side note there. Dave, 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 Dave's going to be uh, you know, investing in some McKinney jerseys. So I had Tylen Wallace as my wide receiver six, and he was my 16th uh, player overall in March. Now he's my wide receiver 11. And he's my 23rd player overall. So, yeah, he took a dip. And it hurt. And I loved him. And I still believe that I think this is not good for Hollywood Brown, too. Because, you know, Bateman's going to be the one. And then I honestly feel like Wallace would have a chance to beat him out. You know what I mean? 
So if I have Hollywood Brown. I'm looking to sell like soon <laughs> before like any training camp starts. So because I honestly think that Wallace was a better player than Brown coming out of college. And I still think that Wallace is going to be a guy who could potentially be a steal in the fourth round and prove that everyone's wrong. You know Tyron Wallace is coming out there with a chip on his shoulder. You know? Like, he's a complete wide receiver. I don't understand it. I really don't understand why he was a fourth-round pick. Uh, maybe maybe it's a medical thing. Maybe, because, you know, his brother is out of football with the ACL. Tyron Wallace has the ACL. It's not, That's the only thing I can think of, Todd. I guess. I guess. It still seems late. But anyways. All right, my first faller hurts. Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell, uh, so DOF ADP is at 25.1 for May. And in March, his super flank ranks for me was RB4 and 15 overall. Uh, in May, he's still my RB6, but not like Dave said before, all like draft capital of running backs sucks, so the Ruiz went that far to fall. And he's my 28th player overall. So I was looking at him as an early, like, second-round pick, and now I'm looking at him more as a mid-third. So, man, do I wish I traded those C2C shares because the capital landing spot sucked. Miles Sanders has to bust or have a major injury for him to be even entertained as a top 24 running back. Maybe he can carve out a receiving role that you could submit as a flex if he gets enough targets. But Philly also majorly upgraded their receiving core with Devontae Smith, and they're kind of adding Jalen Rager to it as well in the same time, because Rager really didn't play a lot last year. So you're adding both those weapons in at the same time as Gainwell. Don't really see how that's going to figure out for him and getting targets a lot. So yeah, he felt more than around for me, but um, I actually think the 25.1 ADP now is a little too high, and I was one of his biggest pre-draft fans. So I don't know, man. It, it, it bothered me a lot. And I get what the arguments were with Gainwell, but on film, guy popped, man. And I still think that he could be an effective player in the NFL. Just sucks landing in Philly. Sucks. What's interesting, Todd, I agree with so much of what you said. What, why I'm upset about Kenny Gainwell, too, is something that I noticed in the draft as well. There was a, f- a, a, a few select opt-outs who things didn't really bother, it didn't really affect their draft capital, thinking mainly Jamar Chase and sprinkled in a couple other names there. But how much these opt-outs and NFL teams just fell down their boards. I think it's pretty realistic to look at Kenny Gainwell as a third, late third type of NFL draft talent. To see him fall to the fifth round, mostly because he opted out. And you could see it across the board, these opt-outs going way later than was projected. I just don't get it. What about these NFL teams why they were doing that. I I, I, I just kind of put shrug and, and throw my hands up and wonder what the heck was going on. So yeah, Todd, I agree with everything you said about Kenny Gainwell. Jamar Chase got a pass. But um, yeah, it, it, it's weird. Don't you think it was weird? There were yeah. several players that happened Significantly, to. man. Very, very, very weird. And Kenny Gainwell had a legit reason to not play. Like his... Oh, I don't even... Oh, freaking... So many of his family members were greatly affected by it. Like, oh, terrible. Died. Died. Yeah. Like, yes. What, four family members died? It just, uh. Yeah. I just couldn't remember off the top of my head. It's, yeah. It was pretty significant. All right, David, who's your second follower? <sighs> Another running back. I think I was I, I was on the record with the rookie fever guys with Swags and Finero saying that I was staying away from all of those second round rookie running backs pre-draft. Cowan Hill was kind of my exception. 
in the late second, maybe if that's just how it fell. But you know, he went in the seventh round. He's got a DLF ADP of five oh five now. You know, he lands behind Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in Green Bay. I was hoping a player from the SEC with requisite NFL athleticism, decent size, demonstrated good pass catching ability. I thought he would have gotten good draft, better would have gotten better draft capital. John Arrington from Contender Connection and the Monocle Dynasty, he came on and did a rookie fever profile with him. And we talked a lot of things that were exciting about him, but then also some things that were down about him. He's a little older prospect. You know, he had, I think there was some problems with the, the coaching staff. And it was really weird how certain things with coaching staffs really affected people. I think it might have affected Chuba Hubbard's draft capital, Tamorian Terrian's draft capital. And I think Colin Hill a little bit too. Just, just some weird, just NFL things that, you know, you kind of just were head scratching a little bit. And now then you have to really stretch it to, 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 to lay out a realistic narrative that doesn't involve a player getting hurt for Colin Hill to get opportunity. And that's just, and that's sad because, you know, we know Aaron Jones is, is really good. And, and uh, AJ Dillon had that draft capital and he's kind of built, has been like labeled to take over that volume that was left by Jamal Williams. So there's just not a lot of room for Colin Hill here. And I think you and I both had a, you know, we were kind of excited about him, but we were, we were also realistic at the same time. But yeah, and still a faller though. Yeah, and you're looking at like Jones just got that contract that it's four years, but essentially in like 2023 is I believe like when the whole thing could be blown up, you know? So you got at least two years where Kylan Hill doesn't even see that. And then he would also just be the receiving back behind an AJ Dillon. So when you look at when you look at Jones and Dillon together, you see literally every aspect for a running back covered. Jones is a phenomenal receiver. He's speed. He can get in the outside. And, and Dylan's just a power guy over the middle. Hills doesn't really have a lane to fill a need because it's all taken care of. So, yeah, it's going to take an injury. And then even with the injury, you got seventh round draft capital. It doesn't even mean that he's even going to be there to have the opportunity. This dude's going to have to play some serious special teams to stay on the team. So, yeah, man, I, I was disappointed, too. Seventh round is wild for him because he's a good athlete, good receiver. I feel like maybe him quitting after like only X amount of games. He's pretty outspoken, rightfully so, uh, about the Mississippi State flag. But at the same time, like, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. I, I was very surprised about that one. And just to kind of following up on something you said about uh, you know, he's going to be a seventh round draft pick. And then also too, he's two years. You have to wait for the Aaron Jones contract to maybe to that, that opt out or whatever that, that, uh, you know, for them to get out of that contract, who's holding on to a third or fourth or a fifth round draft pick for two years. Who doesn't produce nobody look at, go look at your waiver wires, guys, Kylan. It's littered with Kylan Hill type players. And, and it's because they don't do anything early on because they never got that opportunity. You're dropping them for uh, someone who does get that opportunity or for the incoming next year's incoming class. Well said. At best, late, late, late pick in deep rookie drafts that has tax squads. That's all I invest in Kylan Hill at this point. All right. My second follower hurt quite a bit because uh, I really like this guy. Um, I still like this guy, and it's Seth Wynn. So right now, his DLF ADP is 45.1. He was my wide receiver 10 and my 24th overall. He dropped in May 
to my wide receiver 23 and my 52nd player overall. This is upsetting to me because I did not expect him to slide all the way to the sixth round. And then the Broncos scooped him up with the 219th pick overall. Though Williams is not a perfect prospect, his game definitely offers some NFL upsides, and he could turn into a solid red zone threat. But on top of having awful draft capital, he lands in an absolutely loaded receiving core with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, and KJ Hamler. So with that depth of talent around him, I don't see the former Tiger like really finding any sort of early snaps in his career. And again, that's another guy that we're talking about needing to contribute on special teams. I actually think Williams is a big dude, and he's got good speed. So him on like a kickoff or like a punt or a punt return, like that actually could work. And I feel like that could get in there. And they're loaded at wide receiver. Absolutely loaded. There would need to be multiple, multiple injuries for him to be able to see the field. Granted, like that happened to the ball. <laughs> but you don't want to bet on that happening again you know so yeah uh seth williams major 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 fall for me that's something todd the coach over there i don't know if it was vic Fang- vic fangio or however you pronounce his name or a, or a wide receiver coach or an offensive coordinator i don't know who said this but i know it was a coach over in the denver they said point blank yeah we drafted him for special teams that's what they said not a ringing endorsement of Seth Williams and another one of those players that, you know, people were a lot of, I can understand why the NFL, they didn't get a lot of separation, didn't get a lot of help from his quarterback play, uh, wasn't a senior, so didn't get that mysterious senior bowl boost. Uh, just just a real head scratcher, Todd. And it, it was unfortunate. Definitely, I still think he's a value, Todd, to be had late. Because when you're talking late in these drafts where, where Seth uh, Williams is still available, I'll take the guy with the production over some mysterious landing spot because Cortland Sutton, I'm not sure. Did he, I can't remember if he got a contract or not, but you know, it does, Tim Patrick's not going to be there forever. KJ Hamler, while we like him, I think we both like him. He's not there for, you know, he hasn't done anything yet. And, you know, and hopefully they get a better quarterback play, player in there. So you, you got to really stretch it, but. That's what you have to do for Seth Williams, and I'll I'll still bet on that production as a late late dart. Throw. Beautiful taxi squad guy, beautiful, love him. That's how I felt about um, Bryce Hopkins last year, who's now looking like he's going to be in a nice situation with the Rams this year when things just kind of changed around. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I I'm still going to invest in Williams late. Just it was disappointing, man. I, I really wanted to see him land somewhere where you can see him develop and succeed. But hey. It is what it is. Um, David, that's it. It was a good time. You want? Man, it felt freaking good to talk to you tonight, man. It, it just, uh, it felt good. Oh, it felt so good, buddy. It was good for me, too. <laughs> you want to tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me right here on Tale of Two Rivals with my, you know, with my, my man Todd Foster, but you can also find me at, F, at FF underscore Spaceman Dave right on the Twitter. And you can find me over at Dynasty League Football. I got to get write an article over there pretty soon here. But as this rookie stuff starts to settle, I want to start looking ahead to the 2022 season. No, what year are we in? 2021 season and look at some trends for players and just some stats that we should be looking for. So that's in the future here. And then also you can always check out my stuff for mostly for free on my Patreon over on FF underscore Spaceman. And then also check me over on Rookie Fever. 
having a lot of fun with Shane and Swags over there as we talk rookies all year long. And Todd, I've been making some podcasts. I mentioned earlier, went on uh, John June's show, going to be on Fantasy Wildcard again coming up as they do their uh, charity event for mental health awareness over there in Great Britain. So there's going to be a lot of fun things I'm doing. And, and, and Todd, most importantly, though, catch us back here next week. Tale to Rival. Well said, my friend. So I am Todd Foster. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Banterman. Uh, definitely go to the IDP Guys site. Order the magazine. 125 rookie profiles. Rankings from multiple minds. It's a phenomenal source for offense, but it's ideal for the IDP side. So, on top of that, definitely also go check me over at IDP, guys. I will be dropping CTC stuff very soon again. And uh, I'll have my C2C big announcement coming in a matter of weeks. Love it, man. I'm excited for that. All right. Happy trading, everybody. Todd, I, I I wish we could keep going, man. I thought we had a nice flow there, man. I did too, man. Um, you know, I I actually wanted to get in the Hubbard. <laughs> I, I could have done, yeah. I could have done that one off the cuff, man. And like, whatever, this is gonna be an outtake, so let's just do it. So I, I can't get behind people being okay with him being behind CMC as if that's a good thing. Like, what is that? There's no ceiling there, none. You're literally saying the best running back in fantasy football has to get hurt. And, oh, look, it happened last year. So we're just guaranteeing on injuries to have guys have values? That's not how you win at fantasy football. It's not a winning strategy. Drives me nuts. Chuba went into the Panthers. Sucked. Todd, I, I hope you enjoyed You know, you need that. After my Trey Sermon rant, you need to get a, a Chuba Hubbard rant in there. Um, I, I don't feel quite the same way. Disappointed that he didn't get better draft capital and maybe a better landing spot. Yes, but at least it didn't. You know, it was a spot with only, like, one true guy ahead of him. And you can, like, you know, it just happened last year, so you can paint that picture. But no, by no means should I be excited about him landing there. That's for sure. I'm excited about his ADP drop. That's for sure, because I still think he's a talented player. Yeah, but the point is, is that, like, you got to see them move on from CMC for him to be able to get the volume you want to see for a guy of that talent. There were some decent amount of C uh, CMC trade rumors this offseason. I heard at least three separate reports about it at different times this year. I did as well. I did as well. But the the rumor mill in the NFL is like a middle school freaking lunch table. So I'm not buying into it. I'm just not. Yeah. Baby. All right. I was waiting. I set you up for that one. There you go. Uh, so, yeah, dude. Ah, uh, no. No, 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 no. Apparently, people just hate Oklahoma State. Talk. Apparently, except they're freaking like O-linemen <laughs> so, who went like pretty damn early. Yeah, I, I, I just pretty much there's only like the only other places that might have sucked more might have been like the Giants or like the Viking. You know what I mean? Those are the only places that could have sucked more for Hubbard. Uh, oh, yeah, the Packers, because you got also like A.J. Dillon there, too. That would suck.
Well, Kylan Hill had been a major obstacle as well. Kylan Hill would have been a major obstacle as well. <laughs> he definitely adds into that as well. But yeah, no, man. I yeah, uh, but I, I mean, I I get it. I mean, I get what people are saying about like Chuba and that and like that. I just, I, I just no, that's not that's not what he's. <laughs> you're right, Todd. I think you're right in that you shouldn't frame it as a win, and I think that you're hearing that exactly a little bit too often. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Stop saying like I'm okay with it. You can be okay with it all you want because you had no control over it anyway. You know, you're not changing. <laughs> truth, 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 man, truth. But oh, yeah, man. no. My head, ah, oh, man, my head, Todd. I'm ready for, I'm, I'm already, my head's in the mountains, Todd, going hiking. Key takeaway, Todd, everyone who's a hiker, well, not everyone, you know, if you don't drink alcohol, you don't drink alcohol. But I will say this, make sure you always pack a beer or a drink for the summit. You got to have, you're going on a serious hike. It's always great to have a, 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 a drink at the summit with your buddies. Looking forward to that this week. Heck yeah! Is it going to be uh, a Mike's on the at the top? No, I haven't decided. I might just do a, you know a water bottle G and T. You know, sip it on the way down. There you go. There you go. That'd be classy. I was going to say you're not going to have a beer. I like how you said you got to have a beer going up there. I'm like, you're not bringing a beer. You're not bringing. A beer. I might have a malt beverage. You might have a cider. To- <laughs> There's tons of options. You might have a malt beverage. I love it. <laughs> oh, how gender neutral of you. Uh, <laughs> love it, man. Oh, good times, buddy. Good times. That's it. That's that's a wrap, baby.